welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to help you be active participants in your daughters' lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Today, I am excited to be able to bring you a brand new dad on the show. CJ Ray is joining us. Uh, He is a musician. He is a father of four. He's a grand dude. We'll talk about that to a granddaughter as well. And we're going to be talking about him as a dad, but also about some new music that he has out there. And I'm just really excited to be able to talk to him. CJ, so great to have you here today. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Chris. I've been excited to do the show. I love being a dad, so I can't wait to talk about it with you. Now, I always love to turn the clock back in time. And, and, I, and I want you to think back because I know you have three daughters. And I want you to think back to that first moment, that first moment that you found out that you were going to be a dad to a daughter. What was going through your head? Oh, man. It was initially, it was panic because I didn't have a lot of money. And I was all of a sudden very aware that I was going to have to work a lot harder to provide because I was in a band and we weren't getting paid a whole lot. If you know much about the music business, it's a you're, it's feast or famine. So, so it was initially, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? In fact, I remember my my father in law looking at me and saying, you know, because I owned a painting company at the time. He said, you better learn to paint faster. <laughs> so, but I remember when my first daughter Mackenzie was born, and it was just like, okay, I'll paint as fast as I have to to take care of this beautiful little bundle. I was really excited. Now you talk about the industry and that as a father, you you felt like you had to step up. You had to step up. You had to do something different to be able to, to provide for your family. Talk to me about that. As you were thinking about that and you knew you had to do something, what were those steps that you had to take to really kick things into gear to be able to do what you needed to do? It's amazing to me that I think love is an amazing motivator. When you love somebody and you want to provide for them, it doesn't become work anymore. It becomes just a part of the fabric of who you are. So I would say that my daughter made me a better worker, a better business owner. And and I would probably say she made me more successful because I loved her. And, and I always say I grew up pretty poor, but some people will go, you lived in Libertyville, Illinois. That's a rich town. Well, it was a blue collar town when I was growing up there. And we had eight kids in our family. So I come from a big family. So I was nervous and I didn't want my kids to feel like they didn't have the things that I felt I didn't have as a kid. Now you talk about nervousness. And I think one of the things that I hear from a lot of dads is that there is some fear, especially with that first daughter that you have about raising a daughter and fears behind that. Talk to me about that. And what kind of fear did you have going into being a father to a daughter? But also what was your greatest fears? I think, yeah, the fear is a natural one. For I think for men, because we love the independence, the the ability to kind of go where we want to go, when we want to go there. And all of a sudden, I couldn't do what I used to do. So it was scary. I do remember when I first found out, just it was initially an enormous amount that I felt on my shoulders that all of a sudden I had to get out there and do it. But I would say as as I just started making it happen, the joy of of having her in my life far outpaced anything else. And so it was all worthwhile. As you have raised your daughters and you've got adult daughters now, and you look back, what would you say was the hardest part about raising daughters? 
Well, for me, the hardest part was the initial, then when they were really teeny, I just was afraid that I'd hurt them. But once they got to where they were a little older, I would say four, five is when I really started having fun because I treated my girls just like they were my son. And we had, you know, I would teach them how to ride a motorcycle, teach them how to ride an ATV. We were always throwing a ball or swimming in the pool. I taught all of my daughters how to scuba dive in our pool. So it was always kind of a, let's just go out there and live life together. And it wouldn't have mattered to me if they were a boy or girl. In fact, my girls are all better athlete than my son. And I don't know if that's because of that, but my son's a good athlete, but that's really not what his passion is, where my girls all played volleyball at a very high level. And so I think girls in some ways are easier than boys. I love the bond that I have with my girls now. There were moments, the teenage years were tough. They were a little distant and I didn't like the boys coming around as, as I'm sure you've heard many times. And I had to give them the talk and I know that that embarrassed them. But, but no, I, I actually thought the girls were easier to raise them than my son was. Now, one of the things that I find to be interesting, because I've got two teenagers myself, so I definitely hear you and, and understand the distance. And I think that nowadays it becomes even more so with technology. The kids kind of isolate themselves and you know they're more talking on their phones. But that being said, there's still memorable moments. Those moments that you have with each of your daughters that are special in in their own ways. As you think back to the time that you've spent with your daughters thus far, what are some of the most memorable experiences that you hold dear that you've shared with each of them? We had a cabin up in Wisconsin on Lake Wisconsin. And when they were little, every weekend in the summertime, we would go up there and one of the most memorable times is there was an old train trussle. We used to watch kids jump off of it all the time. And so one evening before the sun set, we took the powerboat down and we all went up on top of the trussle and jumped off of it together. And we have a picture of it that my wife took. And it's just one of those really fun, uh, memorable times because we were just so close and so free. There weren't a lot of cares and worries. And I love that. And, and I got to tell you, I just recently had a camping trip I took with my middle daughter, Madison, we have an RV and we, we took it to um, some property that we bought in Colorado. And just being alone and getting to talk about her fears, her concerns, what's she going to do for a living? It's just so nice to have the history and the track record to be able to feel like you're giving good, solid advice to her. So, and, and I, I love every moment I have with my, with my kids. It, it's, it's some of the most precious time that a dad can have. So I, I look forward to every moment that I get to see them, FaceTime them, talk to them. My kids are the greatest. You have lived a life that not everybody has lived. You've gone out, you've created music, you have toured, you know, you, you've traveled a lot. And I'm sure as your kids were getting older, that made life balance a little bit challenging. So talk to me a little bit about that, being someone that had to be on the road, someone that had to be doing gigs, who knows where, but also having to be dad. How did you balance all of that? Yeah, that's some of the regrets I've had. I was building a business and playing. And when I look back, I wasn't there as much as I wish I could have been. I was able to provide for them I would say that my girls and son would all say that they were spoiled. They had everything that I didn't have, but I was on the road a lot. And and so it did cause some issues. And and there were some hard moments. Their teenage years, I had to be the tough dad and kind of say, no, you can't do that. I don't want you. Some of the music they were listening to was pretty cruddy in my evaluation. So I, I wasn't loving some of the things I was hearing that they were listening to. And so, you know, it's a hard choice. If you're going to be 
some kind of a line, a border to say, this is where I believe you should be. And they're crossing that border. I think for every person, there's a choice of to be a parent sometimes means some alienation. And I will tell you, all of my girls have gotten very good over the years of knowing how to manipulate a little strong of a word, but how to play me. They all know how to get what they want from me. And my wife's always telling me, Chris, what are you going to tell them? I'm like, no, the answer's no. And then I get on the phone with them. I was like, well, yeah, it's all right. We'll make it happen. You know, so So the the one regret is just building businesses and, and trying to financially care for them kept me away from being able to be at all of their events and and to be as close to them as I, I wish I could have been looking back. Well, now you are a grand dude. So we have to talk about that. And so as you have turned into a grandparent yourself to a granddaughter, talk to me about the difference and what it's been like now to be a part of your granddaughter's life versus being a father to a daughter. Yeah, well, it's really fun. I think you probably hear this a lot. It's really fun. First of all, my granddaughter, Lana, is hilarious. She has the most amazing personality. She's a lot like my oldest daughter, Mackenzie, and her dad, Sean. They're both really amazing human beings. So I get to play and have fun and act like a kid. But it is nice that when she starts to get annoying and acting spoiled. I can give the old Lana that doesn't fly here at Grand Dude and Nana's house. And (laughs) if you're going to act that way, we're going to head home. And so I, I, you know, the old adage, I loved because you can spoil them and then drop them back at their parents. That is very true. But I also think the ability to have some distance and not all of the like completely immediate weight of raising that child... I get to be more of a board member than having to be the operator in the company. I get to look and say, I really think you shouldn't give her popsicles for breakfast, McKenz, you know, and that kind of thing. So it's it's fun. It's fun. I really I really enjoy it. And I just I just have another grandbaby called Finn Christopher, and he was born in November. But he's at this little age changing diapers and stuff. So that that's kind of not my gig at that point. I'm I say hi, I hug him, I kiss him, but I'm not really a great diaper changer. That's not my forte. Well, you could get better now, you know, even though you weren't in the past, you have time. I am willing to do it. But luckily for me, my daughter is such a great mom. I don't think she lets anyone change and she loves being that mom. So, and I I love her for it. Completely understandable. I want to talk to you about your music now, because as you said, you've been in bands, you've done the solo thing. I mean, you've done a lot of things in your career and you've got some new music that's out right now. But first and foremost, I guess for those that may never have listened to you before, take me back to the beginning. What was it about music that really drew you in and made you decide that this was a career that you really wanted to grab hold with and jump right into? I think it's the fact that music has the ability to both be a cathartic action for me, but also I think it's able to reach past the written or spoken word. It's able to get to a place in the human soul where I think it can talk in a different way. And I love that part of music. I love the ability to both feel that I have been able to get something out of me that was stuck, but also hearing other people enjoy it or be touched by it or comment that, wow, that song blew me away. It really touched my heart. That's what I love about music. And I started music at a really young age. I I was singing in in my church and I grew up playing with, uh, my first band was a band called Nebula with an amazing guitar player. He wasn't then. His name was Tom Morello. He's a very famous guitar player, top 100 guitar players ever. 
And at the time, he was just a classmate at Highland Middle School back in Libertyville, Illinois. And our first band played at a couple gigs for our, our eighth grade graduation and our competing school, Butterfield's eighth grade graduation. And it was just the love of making music, but also the love of being with other musicians. You know, I find that musicians are really a unique group of people and they really are artists. They're just like meeting someone who's passionate about their painting or passionate about their sculpting or their writing. It's a really great group of people generalizing. But I mean, of course, there's jerks. I'm sure I've been a jerk at a time or two, but generally really great group of people. And I love that the fellowship of being able to write and record and just jam with other people. It's joyous. It's probably the best word. Genre wise, you've been in the Christian rock genre for most of your career here. So what was it about that genre of music? Because you probably could have played in any type of music genre. You know, you could have decided to play jazz. Yeah. Who knew? But, but what was it about Christian rock that really just made you want to stick with that? For your career? Well, I grew up a, a giant Beatles fan and I loved delving into their lyrics. What what did they mean by this? What what does that song talk about? And I loved kind of the, the hidden message, the way that you could communicate deeper subjects quickly, succinctly, but artistically. So I always loved that. But I always cringe a little bit when people talk about, oh, you're you're a Christian musician. I'm a musician who believes in Jesus Christ as my savior. So that is how like everything I see is going through a lens of how I understand the world and how I interpret what I see. So this album is one that I I don't and I, I didn't start out, hey, I'm going to go call all the Christian record companies. I really was more about, I want to write songs that I feel important about writing and that, that just kind of flow out of me. And then trust that God will use them to minister to people and to do his work. And that's how I approach my songs is, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a singer songwriter, but ultimately I'm a musician who wants to share what's on their heart. And the sad thing is some people turn it off before they'll even listen because of how you're described. And I think marketing wise, as marketing people are trying to position you to get your message out, they obviously are trying to put you in a box to say, well, this group here is how I can communicate your sound. And so I get it, but it gets a little frustrating sometimes because of what I just stated before. You, you get put in a box and, and people immediately are either turning you on or turning you off because of the category, not because of the art you're producing. I can completely understand that. I mean, I've seen it with my own kids where you say a certain genre of music and before they've even listened to it and they're like, oh, I don't like that. I don't want to listen to that. And I'm yeah, like, right. wait a minute. You haven't even listened to it. Exactly. How do you know that you don't like it? So no, I completely understand that. And I found that, I mean, in one of your singles that you have is actually, I'm going to say a crossover with uh, Sarah McLaughlin's Sweet Surrender. Yeah. And I mean, it's a completely different rendition and a completely different uh, take on yeah. the song. Did you, did you like it, Chris? I did. I did. Good. Tell me about that song and specifically why you wanted to take that song and really take it in a little bit different direction. Yeah, it was when I was working on the EP, my management said, Chris, list 10 songs by other artists that you like and why. So that was one of them. I love the sense of what does it mean to surrender? And then normally surrendering is you think of a defeated army, you know, Robert E. Lee at Appomattox or something like that. But in the case of being a dad and as a human being and as a Christian, when you're able to surrender your will and your desires to other people for a 
better good or a good that's more reflective of the whole of the family. I just think it's a huge growth opportunity and almost a requirement if you're going to advance who you are as a dad and as a a human being. At some point, you've got to be able to willing to say, I'm going to wash your feet. You don't need to wash mine. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to listen. And I loved that about her song. So when we were recording the EP, Kristen Jewell at Jewel Concepts said, we should do a cover. What one? And, And we pulled that out. And while we were in the studio, we just said, let's track it. And so we ducked the Kia step, I think, and we we recorded it. And it was really cool. It was really different. Greg Karras, who is Andy Grammer's guitar player for years, he came up with, I think, a, a really amazing interpretation of the beginning of that song using a Gibson SG and a toggle switch. And uh, it was, I just love the way that song feels and the drive that it has. But the message, I think, stays this constant. I hope that Sarah, if she ever listens to it, would be happy with it. I haven't gotten any hate mail from her, so she probably hasn't heard it. But if she does, if any dad is out there that knows Sarah, please play it and tell her I really appreciate her and love her songwriting. And that was one of the questions that we were going to ask you if Sarah had heard it, but you just said, not yet, but we got to get it in her hands so that she can hear it too. There's a chance because the keyboard player is actually Sarah McLaughlin's music director live. He, The guy that played the keys, he, he just happened to know Paul Fig at Dave's room and we brought him in. So all those keyboard parts are from her keyboard players. So it was a really happy coincidence, providence, however you want to view it. So maybe there's a chance that she has. But again, I think she's just a phenomenal singer-songwriter. I agree. I think it's weird that I covered a female song, but like I said, women are all around me. I have five sisters and three daughters, and my mom is 92 and an amazing, amazing woman. I mean, my mom builds houses and she ministers to the needy and she is a renaissance woman. I have seen amazing women all through my life. And in some ways, I think they are the superior gender. So So tell me about the process that you go through, because I think every musician looks at the writing of songs, writing of music in a completely different way. And and I think that, that that's what makes music so unique. So tell me about your process by which when you're creating, writing new songs, what process do you go through? I'll usually be sitting in my room like this and I'll be just like, you know, so, so hard to get through to you with words. And then I'll go, oh, I didn't like that. And then I'll change it. And and, and I, I use my iPhone to record things things and I and then I just kind of after a while I'll usually have three or four songs I'm working on and they just kind of seem to go through this process of of playing them thinking about them you know writing the lyrics separate from the melody and then they seem to come out in twos and threes in my life that's normally how they come out but it's definitely usually not just they pop out it's usually a birthing process they they're in you and they take shape and then when I get them to about 90 percent I'll usually go to Greg Karras, who co-writes a lot of the songs, and I'll say, hey, what do you think of this? And he'll say, okay, we, let's change the key. Let's, let's move the bridge over to here. Let's, and, and so it's, um, it, it's kind of developed into a little bit more of a process over the last year, and especially with COVID when it was you know, at, its, at its pinnacle, we were having to bounce tracks, you know, send them back and forth to each other. So, but that's the process normally is it's just kind of a birthing process. And sometimes I'll read something and it will trigger, oh my gosh, that is such a cool concept. How could I capture that? Now you've got a new album coming out with a number of songs on it. And so tell me about this new album. I mean, we heard about the one song, but tell me about the other songs and, and what people are going to find on this album. The EP is called For Each Other. And that's one of the tracks on it. It's the second song on the EP. And 
it really summarized what this project was about because it was recorded during COVID and having to watch our country in turmoil, all the different inequities that we're, we're seeing lived out and the anger that's kind of popped out of that. So it was during that process that we were working on the songs and we just felt like that message of for each other. Ultimately, none of us are an island to their own. We all need each other. We all need to be there for each other and be able to put aside you know, some of our own desires to look out for the desires of other people. So my mom posted something on Facebook the other day. It's pretty funny. It had this large fish pouring water into this other fish bowl with a littler fish, and it was lifting the fish bowl over its head. And it said, help out others even when you know they can't repay the favor. And I thought, yeah, that is really cool. You know, if we could be those little lights, we will start to see some change. And I would love to be an instrument for change in our world, for positive change, at least mutual respect again, where you might not agree with me, but can we just be brothers and sisters and at least say, hey, I don't agree, but thanks for sharing what you feel. And if we could get to that point and maybe back to that point, or maybe we've never been there, I don't know. That's for historians and other people to probably figure out. But but I would love to know that anyone that talks to me knows that I'll listen and I might not agree, but I'll be respectful to them. And I'd love to be able to share that kind of attitude with, with everybody. No, I love that. And now if people want to find out more about that album or about other things that you're doing, because I know that, like you said, 2020 was a crazy year for entertainers, for musicians, for actors. The entertainment industry got hit hard and people had to pivot and do some really unique things to keep things going. But when talking to some other artists, I know that things are starting to open up and people are starting to get out there a bit, you know, and trying to have their music get out there a bit again. So if people want to find out more about your music, yeah, the new music that you've got coming out, but also where you're going to be, you know, what you got coming next, what, where's the best place for them to go? The best place to go is my website, cjray.com. We'll be able to post everything. We have links to, I have a radio show that's happening in New York, uh, Connecticut, and New Jersey right now called the CJ Ray Show. And that's Sunday mornings on 970 The Answer. And that's been fun. I'm still getting used to it. I'm a little stiff. My wife's always like, Chris, you need to loosen up. You sound robotic, but I don't want to say, um, and, um, so you, you know, the battle trying to be excited, but also enunciate and be concise. But my website's the best place. And then all my socials are there. If you look up any place, if you Google CJ Ray, even if you misspell it, I'll pop up. I'm the first CJ Ray there. And and it's kind of an interesting story. There was already a Chris O'Brien, because that's my legal name, but there was already a Chris O'Brien who'd been around a while. So I knew that it would be confusing. So CJ is my initials, Christopher James, and O'Brien was already taken. So my dad had just passed. And before I started my solo career, his name was Ray O'Brien. So I took his first name as my last. So the CJ Ray is is a a shout out to my dad and to just to be able to communicate clearly. I'm different from the other guy with my same name. So it's worked out well. When I Google CJ Ray, I pop up. So if you want to find me, I'm there. People can send me an email if they want to communicate. I love getting feedback. I love to hear how other people are doing on this road of life. And I always reply. So anyone that that's looking for someone to pray for them or just maybe words of advice, or you want to jam, let me know where you live and I'm coming through. We'll stop and play a little bit. One of the things that I found really cool about the For Each Other campaign was the micro-grant opportunity that you've set up. So the For Each Other micro-grants. Tell me about this and why you decided to put this in place to be able to make it available 
to so many. Yeah, that was really fun. It's getting back to that sense of the pay it forward mindset. How cool is it when you're waiting in line at your Starbucks and McDonald's and you pull up and someone says, oh, the guy in front of you paid for your meal or paid for your coffee. That sense of, okay, wait, I don't even know that person. Why are they doing that? Those random acts of kindness, I love. And I will tell you, that was that's probably one thing that I am most proud of as a dad is my kids always saw me pulling over for that person alongside the road. Now, I don't recommend that to everybody because there are some scary people out there. But when we were growing up, this was years ago and things weren't as nutty. We would always stop and help the people out. We would go help the needy, the homeless. We always were trying to do that. And it's been so cool because my girls to this day, they live in Austin. Two of my girls live in Austin, Texas, and they carry around extra food in the back of their car. So when they see a homeless person, they have some little gift of love to say, hey, I don't know what you're going through, but at least this is a little something of me just saying, I see you. And I'm really proud of that. That So the pay it forward idea was part of what came to this for each other. And we were looking for a symbolism that would show this concept of what does it really mean to be there for each other? You know, how do we as the human race be our best self? Such a great way to be able to pay it forward. And, and I think all of us need to find ways to be able to do that in our own way, whether it's through a micro grant process and being able to help people in that way or, Amen, yeah. you know, making, making a dinner to, to someone that needs it or just being a helping hand, you know, doing those things to show kindness to others is so important. I'll tell you the really the cool thing about that is that at the end, the people that nominated the person for the micro grant, we also turned around and gave them the microgrant also. So it was a nice little surprise to those that were willing to bless somebody else. So I have a really great group that that takes care of this stuff, Jewel Concepts. Shout out to them. They they really love people and they really have helped shape whatever this is that we're trying to do of this venture of love and, and trying to create some community. This month, our podcasts are sponsored by our gender equity workshops that we're having. In our workshops, we'll focus on how to be an emotionally courageous dad through practices of self-regulation and strategies for emotionally connecting with your kids. We'll invite all of you to recognize and try to avoid gender traps in our relationships that may or may not reinforce the ways children see household chores. Most importantly, our colleague Joseph Sato will host a workshop on allyship that looks at the intersection of race and gender and the ways in which we as dads can be allies for women and especially women of color in our communities. As you go through this month, we invite you to sit and reflect on ways in which gender plays out in your life. How has being a man and a father given you advantages that you may never have recognized before? How will your children, especially daughters and children who identify as trans, walk through life differently than you? How can you, as their provider, protector, and parent, advocate for them and change systems that may have caused harm for them into systems that can help them thrive. I look forward to seeing you in our workshops this month. For more information, go to fatheringtogether.org forward slash gender dash equity dash workshops. Now we always finish our interviews with what I like to call our fatherhood five, where I ask you five more questions to delve deeper into you as a dad. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. In one word, what is fatherhood? Love. Now, when was the time that you finally felt that you succeeded at being a father to a daughter. Ooh, do I get more than one word? Oh, yes. <laughs> With my kids, I bought them multiple cars through their life, but I have four kids, so I try to be fair. Well, 
I bought them all multiple cars, hundreds of thousand dollars worth of cars. So I just had gone to Austin and bought my youngest daughter what I thought was going to be her last car. And we went into CarMax and we bought this car and she loved it and she was happy. Well, a week later, she was driving back to Chicago from Austin and she hit a deer and it totaled the car. And my youngest daughter is probably one of my most responsible kids. And so she was stressed out because the insurance company wasn't get, getting back to her. And they started to say, well, this is suspicious because you just insured it a day before you hit this deer. So it was really ugly. And she was stressing out. And she called me in tears. And she said, Dad, I, I start school. She's in grad school at UT. I start school. And and I, I'm, I'm stressed out. I don't have a car. And I said, honey, I said, I've got the cash. We'll go get you a car. And then when you get the check, just keep it and put it towards your rent so I don't have to keep sending you rent checks every month. And she was so thankful. And for me, it was just, you know, dads want to be heroes. You know, we want our little girls to go, you know, dad, you're the greatest. And I'm going to cry right now, but I love being a hero to my girls. So Now, if I was to talk to your daughters and ask them, how would they describe you as a dad? Crazy, 12 years old still, hasn't grown up. That's what they always say. Now, who inspires you to be a better dad? My dad was a great dad to the daughters in our family. I don't know that he was a great dad to my my brothers and and, and me, but to my girls, all of the, the girls in my family like honored and loved my dad. He was very tough on the boys. So I would say seeing how much the girls in my family, my sisters love my dad and the respect and reverence they had for him. That probably inspires me to want to be as good to my daughters as you know my dad was to them. But I also think that I have a, a better relationship with my son than my dad did. So I'm going to say that my dad did show me how to be a good dad and set high standards and demand things and live out your example. Now you've given a lot of different advice today. You've given a lot of different pieces that I think that I know that I've listened to and heard that I think people can put into practice in their own different ways. But in leaving today, what piece of advice would you want to give to other dads? I would say, don't wait for them to always reach out to you. Make sure you're reaching out to them, letting them know that you're there. And also when they do say things that annoy you, listen for a while, maybe don't immediately respond because nine out of 10 times you're going to say something that annoys them, but maybe think about it. And what it's helped me a lot is writing my thoughts out where before I'll get back, I'll write out. And I don't like sending texts because texts don't have the voice reflections. And so I do like to to write things out and then call and say, hey, this is how that hit me. And I think the other thing is being honest about how you feel, making sure that you're able to say, I feel like the only time you call me is when you want money, honey. And it it makes me feel used and, and I want a relationship with you. But every time I get this, I, I cringe because it's just the only time you call me is when you want something. And that's not the relationship I want to have. And that's helped me. And it's taken years, but I would say that it's had a huge impact on my relationship with them now as they're all adults now. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And I appreciate everything that you've shared today. I think that it's such a journey that every one of us goes on when we're raising our daughters and everyone has a different journey that they have to go through but we all can learn from each other. And that's why I do this show. And that's why I bring on dads like yourself to be able to share that message and share their own journey, because it's not going to be the same as my journey. 
but it's going to help in in many different ways. Yeah, and thank you for doing this, Chris. It is an amazing journey, that father-daughter, father-son journey. And we need dads. We need really good dads. We need dads to, if you're shirking your responsibility, you know, we need you to do better. And if, if there's ways that we can help you realize that if you're not there for your kids, you're suffering from that but also they're not getting what they really need. I believe that God really put this family unit and that the family unit is the key building block for our culture. And when we lose that or segments of it, we all hurt. Well, CJ, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for the great music that you're putting out into the world and sharing with everyone. I will put links in the notes today so everybody can find your music and see what's happening next. Now that you've got this, I should probably just ask, before we leave, you've got your new album, but what's coming next? I'm working on um, an acoustic, little acoustic set, three songs that I want to strip way down and just try to keep it super honest, just a little raw. This is about, I focus a lot on the lyrics. For me, lyrics are more than 50%. They, It's the message. And obviously the music, you want it to couch the message properly, but I think lyrically, you know, the ability to move hearts and minds for good is something I'm after. So thank you so much for having me, Chris. I've had such a blast with you and I, I so appreciate the work you're doing. Thank you so much. And I wish you all the best. Thanks, bro. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat. And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen, carpenters and muscle men, get out and be the world to them. Be the best dad you can be. Be the best dad you can be.